0: Whether you're trying to shift your team's mindset or just write a better LinkedIn bio, levity and humor are essential tools for forging more human connections and improving performance, strengthening bonds in the good times, and fostering resilience in the bad times. While not every situation is the right time to elicit laughter, hopefully we provided you with a litany of ways to punctuate your workday grind with a little more joy.
1: Welcome back to Presentation Thinking special episode book club.
2: Presentation book club. Welcome to the book club, everybody. Mikey, what'd you bring to share for snacks?
1: Yeah, coffee with cream, as usual. <laughs> what about you?
2: Yeah, I also I also have coffee with cream, and I just downed a little yogurt and granola situation. Of course, you did. <laughs> it's Friday. Maybe I'll make an egg later.
1: Molly Yahoo lives in Denver. Has the best name at Ghost Ranch, maybe in just in the industry, period, who is our friend, brings levity. Do you you know who's joining us today?
2: I do. And I'm so excited. And Brace Justice just did a little Superman, (laughs) Superman Uh, call in. Thank you for joining the book club. Our book club is growing. This is so fun.
0: Yeah, this is awesome. Are you kidding me? Um, what once started as me just supporting and praising you guys from the sidelines. I'm here sitting now with you today. Never thought I would be able to finish a few books in a row.
1: <laughs> yeah. Listener I mean, Brice, yeah, she's, we know we have that listener and she was the first one who told us like, the Hey, number I, I listened to your podcast. Yeah. Which we didn't, we didn't see that coming. And then not only that, she was like, Oh, I heard you're going to talk about this humor seriously book. I'll read it. So. Yeah, legit book club.
2: Yeah, I was so excited. Breezy's a designer at Ghost Ranch, and you know some some of the rancheros are listening to the pod, but Breezy's listened to every episode. <laughs> the stats show it, and <laughs> we're so grateful because we need those true loyal fans. And yeah, when you said you were reading humor seriously, I was like, well, join the book club. Let's do. It. Let's we're all going to talk about it together.
0: Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Also, so, shout oops, out. Yeah. Shout out to Will.
1: Oh, Editor Will.
0: And he's been on point with those bleeps lately. So just I just want to put that out there.
1: <laughs> I think he let one fly a few episodes ago. Oh, Aww. yeah. Molly dropped an F-bomb. Yeah, um, that was
2: me, I think. Um, yep. Breezy, yeah, Breezy, yeah, feel free me. to curse. Feel free to curse. This is but, not a family-friendly podcast. Okay, hell yeah. <laughs> let's do it.
1: <laughs> Ooh. Um, okay. Breeze, let's say there's a new listener who's coming here. What if Jennifer or Naomi are listening because they saw their names out on you know, some podcast that they weren't invited to because we didn't think they'd actually come. But how would you summarize what the heck presentation thinking is for you?
0: Okay, for me as a listener, you know, following Ghost Range for a while now, I see it as just like an open-ended conversation where it's like exploring new ideas and supporting ideas and giving levity to situations. There we go, ha ha. And um, yeah, I find it just like, People geeking out on presentation technique and relationships too in a weird way. So, yeah, I followed it. Molly and Mikey, you've got a great talking voice. So (laughs) really easy to listen to. (laughs) But yeah, presentation thinking is just kind of like this adventure. And um, I just find it really cool to tune into and learn something new every episode I listen to. Uh So, Oh, wow. A review.
2: Be sure to translate that into text. Actually, you can leave a review for presentation thinking with however many stars you feel appropriate at whatever listening platform you are consuming this at. But you heard it here first. Breeze loves us. Yeah. We're cool.
0: We're cool. (laughs) So cool. (laughs)
1: And I think you hit it, Breezy. It's like we're exploring things that make us better presenters. What we found, right, is like there's so many different disciplines that could help inform a better presenter and a better business communicator. And so I think that's how we stumbled. We keep stumbling into these new ideas and threads, like with one new book or one uh, show that we listen, like watch or a pod that we listen to introduces us to some new concepts. But so I think someone who's new to this and saying like, this is about presentations. Why are we about to discuss a book about humor in business? How did we decide that this should be on the, the presentation thinking book club? And maybe we can dive into the book as well.
2: Well, I mean, it's been on your list for a little while, and I think we were really struck by the uses of humor and the presence of it in presentation, thinking research, and in storytelling research. There's always something that you need with, like, to get people's attention, relate to the audience. Maybe you have to come up with like a really good hook, but to, to like really kick off your presentation, and humor can be part of that in so many ways. And so, this humor seriously book. By Jennifer Aker and Naomi Bagdonis, um, by the way. We will link them, obviously. Shout out. We love you guys. And um yeah, that's been a really inspiring concept. They've researched it both scientifically and then... Uh, like with all these amazing like numbers and data to share. And they also teach a class on humor at Stanford University. So it's worth saying like they are super experienced and not only like going deep, like into the deep end on this and the way we are with storytelling and presenting, but they preach it to the, the young chitlins and the young minds being melded at nice universities. So I know. if they can do it there, you know, they can certainly teach little old us at presentation thinking I, how to weave humor into your life. <laughs>
1: is this the most frustrating thing about our, our podcast is like how many times I'm, I regret that I was, wasn't smarter, smart enough to get into Stanford. it's like, they have all these really cool classes and stuff. And <laughs> yeah. Come on.
2: That's what you regret about the podcast, Mikey? No way. You're <laughs>
1: the podcast You're super brings smart. it up over and over again, but yeah, Holy cow. Pretty cool that they're sort of embedded there at the Stanford business program. Yeah. Jeez. And I forget like, Seems like one of them was more in research, had written a book. I forget. It was something about like grasshopper effect or something. Mm. And yeah, the dragonfly effect. Was that Naomi? I think so. But I think like in writing that book, which was, I think also about like mindset, stumbled upon some anecdote and a story of someone who used humor to bring uh, more donors to this like bone marrow donation program that like he basically needed to get a thousand people, a hundred thousand people there to find, like improve his chances of finding a donor. And it worked, you know, like she just really was impressed by his use of lightening the mood for this very dark, like very somber, you know, externally like experience. Was it leukemia or something like that? And it it was rough. And so she, I think was fascinated with the way that this person brought in humor And it lightened the mood and it made it a successful campaign. And so she talks about that background and and then further like researching humor. While I think Jennifer then had like a consulting background at something like Deloitte, very stiff environment, it sounds like, and Mm -hmm. got called out by a client who was like, kind of said like, I bet your weekend plans, you're going to go like iron your blouses for next week and your Mm -hmm. apartment's all gray and you have a cat named cat, you know, yada, yada. She's like. Yeah. And like she she realized she was living this double life because at night she actually did stand up like yeah, improv and stand up comedy and stuff like that, but wasn't bringing her real self into the workspace and realized maybe you can and maybe you should actually. And I think that's what got her interested in this stuff. Anything on that that I botched?
2: No, I just wanted to quick fact check our own selves. The Dragonfly Effect was uh, Jennifer Aker of the duo of Jennifer and Naomi. So just so she doesn't um, yell at us later. But yes, absolutely thought that was fascinating. The story of like, if someone didn't know that I had a dog named Guinness and like enjoyed, you know, going camping after work or something like that, I feel like I'd be upset that they don't know my true personality. Mm -hmm. Not that you can like totally... I don't know. You can, you can be yourself at work within reason, obviously, but, um, like there's, there's humor associated with like being yourself and just like some comfort there. And I think when it's totally separate, yeah, it can lead to this inauthentic connection with like, yeah, your clients and your colleagues, and maybe it would help you know, connect with other people. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Breezy, did you, did you relate to that story at
0: all? Oh, totally. And was this a story too, where she was sitting around like the dinner table and she went around and like asked everybody, she was like, hey, who's the funniest in the family? Uh, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, And then like the youngest spoke up and was like, it's dad, then, <laughs> you know, the oldest son and then the middle son and then the dog, then you. Yeah. <laughs> so the She's, dog, yeah, she was like, what? How did this end up being my life? But no, I think that's yeah. really cool. It totally reminds me of the show Severance. So I'm like only on episode two of it, but it's like how, you know, they go into the work office and they completely forget anything about their life outside of work. Hmm. And they don't bring any of that into work too. It's really interesting. I think it's cool to share yourself and share your hobbies and your personality at work. Creates yeah. like a better ecosystem for sure, I, yeah.
1: and that's like the book is so much about why certain leaders are more trusted and mm-hmm. uh, more respected. They're thought of to be more uh, competent, confident uh, when they they've got this like a sense of humor. And what I like about the book too is they really stress and revisit like the point is not to try to be funny. You you don't need to be funny, but you need to be open to fun, and you have to have like having a sense of humor. They have tons of stats and numbers in this book and, and anecdotes about why that actually helps improve not only you as a leader, but like an entire organization, you know, it talks about just how, how can dramatically shift and. and Really, like increase performance. It's crazy. Yeah,
2: and morale and stuff. Yeah, part of I kept thinking, I'm like, man, my part of my whole job here is just goofing around on this podcast, and you know, we're supposed to, you know, we we think we're kind of funny, right, Mikey? And so, (laughs) if that wasn't part of the role, this wouldn't be, you know, we wouldn't be getting, you know, loyal listeners like Breezy coming to join us. So, (laughs) I'd love to get into that. Chapter five is leading with humor, Um, but to like kind of back up a little bit Mm. and like, you know, set up what kind of humor styles there are. They really break down kind of what humor styles are, like the psychological effects on humor and what, you know, this is your brain on humor and why we think something is funny. And then the anatomy of funny, getting into Mm. the shape of what this, you know, looks like, which totally called back to, you know, a lot of what we talked here in presentation thinking about with storytelling, the shape of stories. And I'd love to, yeah, dive into some of those examples. But, Breezy, we just took a quiz, and I'm mm. curious to know, there's four broad humor styles. There's We can describe these in our own words, I suppose. But there's stand-up, which is kind of the, your slapstick guy that's happy to get up and yeah perform in front of a crowd. Natural entertainers who build intimacy through teasing as well, big teasers. Mm-hmm. And then there's the sweethearts who use humor to lift up those around him. The snipers, by contrast, are edgy and sarcastic. And then the magnets, which are big personalities that get everyone laughing while radiating charisma. Very positive. So, yeah. Mikey, what do you think Breezy is?
1: Yeah. Okay. I think she's the sweetheart. Earnest, honest, but also always looking for fun, uh, but more subtle, I would say. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I think you're such a positive person, Brice. And so I think you definitely would use humor to lift up others around.
1: Yeah. I never see Breezy coming at someone. Like she would, she would not roast someone. But I
2: could see you roasting some like in a family member context. And this is something they talk about, you know, the different contexts. I think you would definitely snipe some, snipe some folks.
0: (laughs) True. Yeah. Yeah. Like my older brother sniping all the the Uh time. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I can agree with that. I think it's sweetheart. Like. Yeah, I probably think about, hmm, is this going to upset them? Is this Aww, okay? Yeah. You know, yeah, I guess I totally think about that. But um, I totally like dark humor too. Like that uh, really gets my engine going.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> Not going to
0: lie.
2: So maybe like a sweetheart sniper, like yeah. a blend, you know? Depending like
1: on it. if you want to be aggressive that day or affiliative.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: exactly. <laughs> but
1: always subtle. Yeah. Unless yeah, it's, no, there's a bubble machine involved. Breezy is the, the yeah. champion. For all uh do you have yeah. like a, a bubble machine blog going or some kind no. of thing? Yeah.
0: Cool. <laughs> I would like to, but I always tell people about me about the bubble bro in Boulder. And he has like a bubble bike and he shows up at every cool event and he always has these new tools showing everybody these amazing Bubbles awesome. and he just yeah, it's pretty majestic watching him. He's that's got awesome. the best beard too I've ever Ooh. seen.
2: Yeah, this is like one of those beloved locals. We'll have to see if there's any like clips of him on YouTube or something. We that's could cool. <laughs> Mikey, what do you think? You what? What is what is yours? What's your style of humor? Yeah,
1: I didn't think I was the stand up. Those are I cannot work a room. You know, I don't have the confidence to just. I always think that's so cool. <laughs> like the person who's just boom, boom, boom. You know, but. And then magnet, I, I'm not the, I think they said when you, the magnets come back from a party with their cheeks sore, they're always just like super bubbly. Everything makes them laugh. Their own jokes make them laugh. I think I'm more on the subtle delivery style. I think a lot of my jokes, nobody laughs because they either didn't hear it or it didn't really, it was funny to me, you know, but <laughs> niche. It's like, it usually goes over a, over heads. It's not, uh, yeah. So I, I kind of thought I was sweetheart, but I took the quiz and they said I was more sniper.
2: Sniper.
1: So a little... I
2: I would like to say here that I would love to fill this out, like, for each other or something, because I think, Mikey, you're funnier than you give yourself credit for. And even though the sniper says, you know, are edgy and sarcastic, you definitely have those just like those one liners that are so niche and silly. And yeah, maybe Mm. maybe it doesn't resonate with half the people, but the half it does. They're like, wait, that was Mm. hilarious, you know. And so I think you you have a talent for that, for tapping into something very subtle and nuanced. But very funny. And I think that's why you're that always
1: you do. pissed me off growing up. Because I, I do like I think being funny is the the ultimate thing to try to like for, for whatever reason. <laughs> I just think people who are funny are um, awesome. But my friends who were more the stand up would hear what I said and they would just repeat it and get all the laughs and I would always be so pissed. So I think I just <laughs> needed to be a little more confident, you know? Yeah. Molly, what about that's you? Fair. Um, I thought I had you pegged. but Yeah,
2: I took it and I got the magnet, which is the, yeah, big personality, bubbly party person, as you said, Mikey. And I was not surprised by that with my ENFP Myers-Briggs oh, yeah. personality quiz. Yeah. But I also, you know, it depends on, I definitely like to say, like, I'm friends with other magnets. And so I don't always, I'm not the always the one talking, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes there's other people that are funnier than me that I'm just laughing and I can like encourage the laughter and stuff. So I think, I think it makes sense. And certainly maybe in a, more of a work setting, I come into more of like the sweetheart thing to kind of mm-hmm. be a little more positive and lifting up people. I'm definitely uncomfortable with, I like to tease, but I definitely can't like pull off the sniper effect unless it's not right. yeah, truly with my brothers or something. Brother. So, <laughs> so brothers and it sisters sounds like we all for. have that in common. I think you we all have sniped. brothers here. <laughs> That's what they're for. Yeah. It's to develop that part of your humor methodology.
0: They even said it's good to like switch between the different styles and like keep it interesting that way. So that's pretty good. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think, it yeah, it's like probably, you know, develops and evolves your, your humor muscle. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was something that when they talk about like getting into chapter two, you know, this is your brain on humor Children are inherently so funny, but like we forget to use that muscle over time. And one stat that really stuck out to me was about the average four-year-old laughing like 300 times a day, you know, maybe at nothing, maybe at whatever. And the average 40-year-old, by comparison, laughs 300 times every two and a half months, which is so sad Mm -hmm. when you think about that. I was was shooketh by that. Yeah. I just Mm -hmm. feel like you see little kids. They're just like... It's that inner child joy. And yeah, they don't have as much to be stressed about, but they they know how to, they, that muscle's so fresh for them. Mm-hmm. Mikey, you have kids. How does that look?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I see it. Yeah, you, you do see it. I'm just like trying to figure out, because they talk about that with creativity too, right? Mm. Where you grow up sketching, kids just naturally are drawn, they draw. Yeah. And then we grow up and we stop doing that stuff. And yeah, I don't know what about life squashes these things out of us where we're like, we don't laugh as much or draw and create. I think it's in another chapter, but they talk about one of the many benefits of of levity and, and humor is that it helps creativity. And it because fear can crush creativity, you're, we're afraid to take chances. And then like an environment of humor and levity like pads it. So, you know, it's, it's safe. You're not going to get fired if you do something wrong. And so, yeah, they talk, uh, there's like a cool example of some Apple design department, like creative director who, every time he got their team together, they would have like these spoofs or skits or something to to lighten the mood before they talk shop, which was, yeah, really, really cool.
2: Yeah, um, definitely.
1: And uh, yeah, I know that's that's skipping a bit, but like, just like the big takeaway from all this stuff is this like mental shift. If you don't just open your mind up to it, then it's, you'll probably just start taking life too seriously, take yourself too seriously, take your company too seriously. and mm-hmm. And then it's, sort of a vicious cycle, maybe. And you mm-hmm. you you start to only look for negative stuff, right? And they had this amazing quote, if you can start to look for things that will delight you, you will be delighted. And if you live your life on the precipice, precipice of a smile, good things are going to happen. I love that quote. We'll have so to find the full thing. It was just it was beautiful.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so true though. Yeah. Just like coming into a day with like a kind of lightness, like in your thinking and just like looking for like funny things to giggle at. I love the example where she said, yeah, at the end of like, like your out of office message, be like, you can totally hit me up, but I don't really want you to, or like something that was kind of yeah. like funny yeah. like that, you know, or and, uh, being like PS, it's snowing in Colorado. It just like opened yeah. up the conversation for like connection and like, I don't know, putting like a face behind I was Mm going to
2: say it adds like a humanity to it for sure. And it like kind of puts people at ease in that way because emails are robotic and that's out of office messages, automatic anyway. I think one said like, I'm on vacation with like the worst internet service I've ever experienced. So like if you expect an email, it's not going to happen until next week or something like that. And yeah, like, and they talk about like the chemical makeup, you know, like the healthy dopamine and endorphins that are Mm -hmm. released when you laugh make you feel more calm and confident. And so like, that's an element of, yeah, like feel like, oh, this person's a human. Like I actually, that made me feel Mm -hmm. like totally fine. I'll talk to them later. And yeah, like, especially when people are in a work setting and there might be some kind of tension, deadlines, or like a bit of pressure, that levity equals comfort, you know?
1: And Molly, like once again, this is where the threads are coming together. But another podcast we talked about, is it Vanessa Van Edwards, who talks about emotion is contagious. Totally. And it's so true, right? And and yeah, all these worlds are coming together, but levity is contagious. And yeah. if someone sees a leader letting that be okay to crack jokes, you know, and, and build connection that way, it's sort of then it's like, this is approved, you know, in our workplace, like, let's be real with each other.
2: Yeah. I think we all have like, probably like a scary client or scary work story where like someone was clearly stressed or upset or something goes not going the right way. And it just, oh man, like, even if it's just a zoom call, like everyone in the, in the room, the colloquial room is, is also feeling that, you know, yeah. so it goes the other way.
1: That reminds me of that story of, um, I've, again, sorry, Naomi or Jennifer, whichever one was the consultant and mm-hmm. she had to be in that room. And so it goes back to the profiles, like your humor type should be flexible as well. Like they, they say a good um, comedian can read the room and sort of like change their set and their delivery accordingly. But she was in a, a stiff conference room with this CEO who had his arms behind his head, like just could tell he was like not having what she was there to, to say. And she was there to talk about like humor in the workplace or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he interrupted her like as she's getting going and the whole you could she felt the vibe that all these people were afraid of this dick. <laughs> and th- maybe that was his name. Say it. <laughs> Yeah. Craig. Um, and so he's like, he just interrupts her and said like, when are you going to tell me how to make people do what I want? You know? And she said like, she snapped back, not really thinking. And she was like, "Uh Oh, I'm going to get fired. Um, but she snapped back. She's like, that's my workshop on mind control. You'll have to take that with me next week. And like, actually, because he was the sniper and she sniped back, it dissolved the mood and you know, it broke through and he smiled and he's like, I respect you. And then he was in and then everyone else saw that she could have a good time and not be sort of broken by, by that stiffness of his. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so she kind of like played fire with fire and, and like got really positive results from that particular workshop session.
2: Yeah. I think like pulling that off, earned some respect for sure. Like being able to Mm -hmm. think on your feet and match someone's humor style. So like, yeah, again, that fluidity can definitely be a skill.
1: Yeah. What there's another quote is like um, a, a wagon without a spring feels every single little pebble, right? And so mm-hmm. there's like functional fixedness another like Daniel Pink quote in the book, but about adaptability and just like flexibility in a workspace will, mm-hmm. it'll bring you more longevity, right? If, if every little hiccup is earth shattering, you know, for an organization or, or one individual they're going to have a really hard time.
2: Yeah. I like this quote from f- the former Twitter CEO, Dick Costello. And it's the easiest way to have more humor at work is to not try to be funny. Instead, just look for moments to laugh. And so just like looking for those opportunities where it's like, you don't have to create a joke, just like point out the opportunity of like, we can be silly about this. Yeah. Everybody just take a step back.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah. I saw this like cool diagram too, where it was like humor is like 80% truth. And just like 20%, like how you present it. So I just thought that was really interesting because not only are you kind of like being funny and like approachable, but yeah, you're kind of saying like what's truthful and just kind of getting it out in the open. But also like with levity, it's cool too because it shifts the mood of like thinking forward and like looking for opportunities and thinking like about the next step rather than, yeah, like thinking about like the pebbles your wagon just... Mm you know, kind of yeah. like ran over. It's really cool.
1: Yeah. Breezy, that's a great point. And so you, you mentioned um, the truth. And so the anatomy of funny chapter I thought was amazing uh, because it was simple, right? I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but like they kind of say there's like two real elements that make f- funny, right? What was it? Um,
0: it's like, yeah, it's being truthful and then like how you present it. But there's like a few different ways yes. to present it. Yeah. And There's yeah. like ways where it's like you have a few things, and then you have you throw the random one that doesn't right. belong on the yeah.
2: end. So there's yeah the like tr- the truth, and then like the the structure in which you present it, right? Like mis- and, misdirection, but right? In but those ways, and they have tons of examples for this. But <laughs> and I don't think it's this is like a, the total comprehensive list, but this really falls into category like we were talking about with yeah. like plot shapes and story shapes. But there's building anticipation and then the rule of threes, which is naming two things and having the third be the zinger of sorts, and then breaking a pattern, totally like doing something unexpected. So they've got great examples from various comedians and like late night talk show hosts. I also loved, like, just to note, like, people remember humor more. Like, I loved the stat about Mm. people getting most of their current events and news as with the rise of late night talk show like things because that would be a more enjoyable way to consume news than just on the pretty like repetitive, pretty dark, pretty like, I don't know, you know, negative (laughs) news line that you have playing at like 9 PM every night. So it's nice to like have the channel of current events come from like something that's also laughing someone that's also laughing about it, you know, eases the, eases the blow of the current events world. But I love, yeah, they had a couple of different analogies. I don't know if you guys had, any favorites, but I love this like classic Jerry Seinfeld one, which is just uh, an example of incongruity. So breaking a pattern, but he says dogs are the leaders of the planet. If you see two life forms, one of them's making a poop and the other one's carrying it for him, who would you assume is in charge? (laughs) And it's just this like simple observation, which they say is like a great way to just develop, like make a list of like what you can laugh about and be humorous about, because there's so much to laugh about when you just, that's true. No one can deny that. Like when you're walking a dog, people pick up their poo. And so what a funny observation to like, turn it into like how the, the setup of society is created.
1: It's good. Yeah. It's a relief then to know that again, you don't have to try to be funny and these things don't come out of thin air. In fact, like just pay attention to the things around you. And they say, like, just write it down. So to get to the truth of things, just notice the world around you. And I think they had another good example of someone uh, who showed up to a meeting and they're like, sorry, I'm late. I didn't want to (laughs) come, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're like, you know, like that's uh, both true to so many people like, fuck, yeah, like I didn't want to come either. And unexpected because who actually comes up with a non-excuse excuse? excuse? And so it, it hit that like the two principles of funny like has to be true and then it has to be an unexpected delivery. And Molly, like that's the part, another tie back to made to stick, like part of the, their made to stick framework from Chip and Dan Heath was like the you in their success structure was unexpected as well. Because again, like, otherwise it's just another thing that everyone says, almost like these cliches, like designers, we ha ha comic sans, right? It's like, sure. That's a good laugh. It was. And then, but it's like, it's kind of played out. And so, yeah, when we, when you can like follow some of these structures that, that, and know that it's more about the delivery, like the setup and then the punch, something Mm -hmm. that they don't see coming, that's kind of hilarious. If we can, Mm -hmm. if we can master that.
2: Yeah, definitely. Is there any, do you guys have any favorite comedians that you think like embody this? I was trying to think of specific uh, examples and one I kept coming back to like, and this is maybe from you know the early 2010s kind of era or whatever but Kyle Mooney one of the guys on SNL he has this very awkward sense of humor and he got famous uh first on YouTube i think was how he, where he was noticed And he would do these really uncomfortable interviews that were just believable enough that people would be participating in them, like in real life. And so it would build anticipation where you're like kind of stressed, but you know it's a joke and you're in on the joke. And it's so funny to watch. And he did like one where he's going around like a baseball stadium, just like pretending to be a sports reporter and just asking these absurd questions that are – just believable enough or he's mumbling over them and stuff. And I loved that. I thought that was such funny humor. I think some people don't like that because it's a little stressful and you're like, Oh no, it's uncomfortable, but it's building anticipation. And it's like very goony to me.
0: Yeah. There's this one guy, I hope this isn't old news, but Mark Rober, I find him to be one of the funniest people out there. Not only like with his ideas, he's the guy on YouTube who created the glitter bomb box for oh. Amazon thieves <gasps> who like steal like the packages on people's that's so doors. smart <laughs> and um the way he presents his videos are just kind of hilarious because it's like he's talking about these people who like you know they didn't do anything they didn't do something nice they like stole their packages but mm-hmm. yeah he's like yeah I'm gonna set up this box that like sprays them a fart spray but he continuously comes up with these new ideas that are kind of hilarious, like making a squirrel, like that pesky squirrel in your backyard. Like he's going to make that squirrel run an obstacle course to get to like the seeds. So <laughs> I like, yeah, he's a good one. I find Super him really unexpected. funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome.
2: I hadn't heard of him, Bruce That's not old news to me. That's awesome. Mark Rover, you said?
0: Yep. Mark Rover. He, right, cool. yeah. And he's so smart, but the way he presents his information too, is like, Super light and um yeah, informative and you know, warming and yeah, I like that guy.
1: The one um that I realized last night borrows from the rule of three structure, like how do you get from the setup to the mm-hmm. the delivery of that incongruity was like my girls last night for some reason, even though it's late August, wanted me to read the elf book, you know, like the Will Farrell <laughs> movie has like the, a children's book version of it. Yeah. And um yeah, I realized that structure of when he talked about how he got to like his journey from north pole to new york city he's like first i passed through the seven layers of the candy cane forest i love that line then passed through the sea of swirly twirly gumdrops and then i walked through the lincoln tunnel you know it's like that <laughs> yeah the first two things are so like yeah elfish Mystical, and then it's like, oh that's funny yeah and it, it, i realized like that's why that was funny is because the third thing was unexpected and, and incongruent yeah. with the first two, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. And like, especially that's like such a good, uh, adult humor insert into the like kid setting, you know, cause <laughs> yeah. you're like, ah, oh, we're setting up this beautiful mystical world. And then the Lincoln tunnel that everyone knows is like jam packed with traffic. <laughs> so yeah. I love that. That's so good. I'm trying to think of like some of the funniest like, movie. I've always loved Kristen Wiig stuff. You know, I'm such an mm-hmm. SNL, SNL head growing up on, like, Gilda Radner and stuff. And she, as well, I feel like a lot of those people just are do some out there things, maybe in the stand-up, like, slapstick way mm-hmm. to be funny. Like, body humor and just being, like, like using your body to be weird and kind mm-hmm. of bizarre. Very Jim Carrey-like. And I think that both, like, breaks a pattern. It's exaggerative. It breaks a pattern. And yeah. it gets people's attention easily, you know.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Gets people laughing and connecting for sure. And being creative. So all wins. Exactly.
2: Levity. So now that we have all these like examples and kind of an idea of what the styles look like, the next chapter is called putting your funny to work Hmm. and yeah, starting to integrate it into business things. And we've already talked a little bit about this with like the out of office message and that kind of stuff. But how, yeah, do you guys have like a... I I mean, I've never had a strategy for how I'm going to be funny at work. I've just always tried to be pretty lighthearted and hopefully it lands. Right. (laughs) Do you guys have any, I don't, has it never not landed for you or anything like that? Like where humor was definitely not allowed in the workplace.
0: Okay. Well, I kind of practiced this. I was like reading this book and I practiced it yesterday. And so I was like pinging Mary. I'm like, Hey, can I land a hand with you? You know, there's like a few times where I was pinging her. And then I was like, okay, well, you know, here's now like a weird out of the blue gif because I've pinged you so many times, but this is how this animal makes me feel. I don't know if it landed or not, but she said she liked it. So I feel like that was like, that was me, you know.
2: I love that. Yeah, just like kind of an acknowledgement of being like, this is what I know. This is what I'm acknowledging (laughs) that I'm coming off as. And I think in general, the Rancheros, I will say are very funny people. So I feel like there's some natural levity. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think part of what ghost ranch, the art for storytelling and definitely at presentation thinking is doing is trying to insert some human elements into folks like data and content. And I think inevitably that comes with a bit of humor and we work with a lot of creative folks, designers. So I think inevitably they're funny
1: as well. There was a, a story in this chapter about, they were getting feedback that's like these analysts, Like aren't even talking, they talk in such obscure language, like synchronization and, you know, let's touch base and all these like eye rolly kind of like business jargon. There was like, even that just became the culture. And like, even with each other is like, they're just trying to sound smarter than one another. And to the clients, eventually, you know, customers basically in these reviews and and feedback was like, y'all talk like robots and like, everything you say is bullshit. And you know, like you start to lose trust when Like, can you just be a real human, like, and tell me what you're trying to say. And so they came up with this thing called bullfighter. I think it was the creative director came, like said, we need to change our culture and that's going to be hard. But they came up with this, like, almost like grammarly kind of thing that would evaluate like a presentation or a document that someone creates and find these buzzwords that were a no fly anymore. Like, yeah. What, I don't know. Yeah. What are the worst culprits? Yeah. Oh,
2: I'm just thinking of like. This is one that I think that's still used so much, but scaling and you know they had leverage, touch base, and one of the worst was envisioneer, which is like <laughs> a truly made up word, yeah. and I'm sure people are using it in yeah. those corporate settings. But it's and, and some of the tech startup stuff happens that too. I remember like just the f- hearing funny words thrown around in that uh-huh. space too. Make this a little more crunchy, punchy, whatever that is.
1: Right. It's just cool that they were self. Like someone there said, like this has to stop. Let's be a little bit more self-aware and open up a conversation about it and make fun of ourselves if we catch ourselves doing it. Okay, yeah. we can build more trust and and build better connections with our our clients and each other if we are if we try to not sound like this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it it sounds like it got a lot of traction internally. Even they they sort of like opened it up and got like forty thousand downloads. You know, outside of of Deloitte. Mm-hmm. And I think like that reminds me just. Allie is our executive creative director. She has this effect on like when she works a job where she might be called into like a high stakes executive keynote. And what we'll often see is like there could be like a CEO who has this team around them who are just like walking on eggshells. If that's the culture, like everyone's afraid to say something wrong, do whatever. Mm-hmm. And what we found is, you know, Allie's just like, I'm just gonna be myself, you know, and I I respect her so much for this. And she'll she can just sort of like defuse the environment, and when we, she finally gets past that committee that surrounds this exec, and like has a moment with that exec and acts like a real person, they are so refreshed that they're like, "I love Allie," and like she forms these bonds with them. It's yeah, it's amazing, and, and like, like winning the moment, yeah, and like just make a little bit of light of the moment, and they they're like, "Yeah, this is kind of hard, huh?" or whatever, and I don't know. It just opens up such a better like they would prefer to have a real conversation. Right. And and I think better work gets done as a result.
2: Yeah. I remember one time when I was on some client facing work many years ago for this hospital in rural Illinois, it was kind of like a tough nut client as well. And we were on set for a commercial we were filming and it's a hospital. So we were like filming playground stuff with kids and whatever. And at the end of it, the client had been like kind of spiky the whole time because like her main person couldn't come and I was just like the assistant account exec, you know, classic. <laughs> so I'm trying to be like a good and like crack the crack the ice every every couple of seconds. And I give it a break though and I like walk away to just go, the set was wrapped or the, you know, shoot was wrapped. And I was like, I'm just going to, I went and sw- like started swinging on the playground. Like, and Within a few, like within thirty seconds, um, the client followed me over there and just got on the swing, other swing without saying anything, and started swinging, you know. And our account director like took snapped a pic and sent it to our um, you know, the the normal account exec that was there and was like, "Think Molly finally finally got into Pamela's, you know, finally got under Pamela's skin in a good way." And so it was this moment where I was doing something really like childish, yeah. and like carefree, and she joined me, and even without saying anything, was like. Okay, I think we're actually on the same page here, you know. <laughs> it was very nice. Um, I also loved in this chapter the bad idea brainstorm. Astro mm-hmm. Teller does this. Um, I think for – I'm not exactly sure what the company is, but some for some like very like high-tech engineering thing. And before they do a big brainstorm, they, also, they have a silly idea, stupid idea brainstorm. And he asked for like the silliest, dumbest ideas that people can think of. And he says, you know, only by freeing ourselves from the pressure to be normal or serious that we're able to unlock our most creative self. And I liked that because it's like, gets everybody just totally flowing and it's probably really fun and funny. And that takes the pressure off, you know, to make like a breakthrough idea. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. It gets people like connecting and collaborating and just like, I always think it's awesome when people shoot out like the most bizarre ideas. Because, like, from there just leads another conversation, which just leads another conversation. And I like that point too, where it's like you just kind of get together and hey, you talk about bubble shoes or Mm -hmm. you talk about like
2: bubble shoes.
0: Yeah. Like tying a fly on a string. Just even if it's like that weird and out of the norm, I don't know. It's kind of fun to Mm -hmm. see what people have to say.
2: Yeah. And like you know, I know we're kind of coming up to the end of our time here, but leading with humor into the next chapter and the next, um, the next two really have so many examples of like how this embodied in a leader or a boss mm-hmm. can really just change the whole culture of the office, like you were saying earlier, Mikey. And one stat that I thought was really interesting was that fifty-eight percent of the average employee would trust a stranger more than their own boss, and yeah. so. Integrating, you know, the myth of the infallible leader is behind us. Like people don't trust leadership inherently, and so when you're when you make yourself funny, you make yourself real, and that becomes more trust. Yeah, like a more trusting
1: or person. just yeah, just smile and laugh on occasion, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't have to be the funniest one.
2: Totally, yeah.
1: Angelo said, right? Like I don't trust someone who doesn't laugh, and yes. that's that's it. Like okay, but we are probably afraid of failing in our funny, like. Telling a joke that doesn't land is different than as these the authors describe what failure is in humor is inappropriateness. Is that like I didn't get to this the gray area of humor. So curious if we can just like talk about that a little bit if you if you dug in there.
2: Yeah. I know Brees just finished this last night and I re-listened to chapter seven, but chapter seven is navigating the gray areas of humor and that's all about like what's appropriate for like work setting, friend setting, et cetera. All of us just said that we're more aggressive in our humor with our families. Right. (laughs) So, and maybe some people are actually the opposite. Right. Um, But there's three parts of this and they talk about the truth, the pain and distance. And, Mm. you know, like in talking about sensitive subjects and tragedies and sad things, like the distance from the event happening needs to be like a long time. Whereas like, I was thinking of when people are live tweeting the Oscars or the, you know, Super Bowl or something like those need to be instant, right? Otherwise, it's not funny. Like, it has to happen in real time. Mm-hmm. But for tragedy and stuff like that, it needs to be further away. They cite the Onion headline two weeks after nine eleven. Lots of people were offended by that. And other people were like, no, we need to start, like, having some levity about it. Not to laugh about, like, the true, like, horrors, right. obviously. But just to, like, give ourselves a break, right? So there's, I think some Mm -hmm. ebb and flow, right? I don't know. Brees, what did you, yeah. What did you think of that chapter?
0: Yeah, I thought it was really good. There was like a, a moment where there was like a CEO who I think he tried to like make levity of a situation and then failed. And you could tell like one of the, you know, employees kind of called him out and was like, yeah, I didn't think that was funny. And he just like addressed the situation. He was like, yeah, you know, I'm sorry. And then he just kind of opened up and he was like, care if I try again? He was just kind of honest about it and was like, right. Hey, I was just trying to make light of the situation, you know? And right. Yeah. So there's yeah, like a problem
2: like, employee that he was like making fun of mm-hmm. or something.
0: Right. Yeah. He was like, Oh, Hey, Jennifer, take it away. Even though, cause she usually ran these meetings and she wasn't there for that meeting because they had to let her go. And, um, he made a funny joke. He was like, Hey, Jennifer, take it away. Yeah. yeah. And not, it not, not a lot of, no, it didn't land because I think it rose like some other feelings within the ecosystem, you know, and mm-hmm. but he, he handled it again. And he was like, hey, y'all care if I try this again? And mm-hmm. I think just by being honest and uh, being like, hey, I was just trying to make light of the situation. Mm-hmm. But this is what I really feel about it. And let's talk about it. He totally he sprung back. So I think that was a good way. But yeah, there is, yeah, that's the biggest fear of trying to be funny is not being funny.
2: Yeah. Yeah, totally. And like, if you don't relate to it, like, you know, that's too, it was probably a little painful. They're like, Oh, we all know this person had to be like, go. So it's like a little painful. And so sometimes it's like, if you're not laughing, you're crying, but like, Ooh, if it's too close, the, yeah, it hits too, too close to home. I really liked the example they talk about here as well, which is the cards against humanity game, which I'm sure many people are familiar with, but there's a for her version of that. That's a pink Pink box, pink cards, all the stuff. And it's all related to like things women experience. And it's kind of addressing and calling out like the sexism in it's $5 more for this game too. And so they talk about, you know, they address that in their ad about being like, why is it $5 more? It's like, because you're worth it. Right. And they're just totally poking fun at all the advertising that's directed to women and when Jennifer and Naomi say they uh, present this in their class, they always say that the women find it funnier than the men because they understand the truth more because it's closer to them. And they, they're like, ah oh, that's a pain point, but it's really funny to make fun of. And it calls this out in a really like clever way. So I thought that was I thought that was interesting as well. I also liked at the end of this chapter, I don't know if it was Jennifer or Naomi, sorry, whoever's narrating this, this one. Yeah. But someone's family, like a family member worked very closely in a hospice setting. Mm -hmm. And so they had over the years been having like, you know, kind of final end of days conversations with people about um, what they expressed like with their lives and like what they loved about life and what they wish they had done more of. And oftentimes the common threads of what people desired more for in life was, you know, people express wanting to have lived more boldly, told the people they love them more and laughed more and just Mm -hmm. like not taking themselves or their work so seriously. And, you know, bringing that from like, as the common threads of like people's end of life, right? Like let's implement Mm -hmm. it now. Let's get it
0: going. Right.
2: Like (laughs) let's, let's not have like, you know, no regrets, (laughs) but I thought that was really interesting.
0: Yeah. And that last uh, chapter is awesome. It's pretty inspiring. <laughs>
1: it was It was almost like a tearjerker. <laughs> I was just like, it, yeah, I, I, yeah. You think that this is going to be a slapstick kind of book. Right. And then mm-hmm. there's a motivating, inspiring, like, damn, I need to like change my, the way I look at life. And yeah. In people's last days, they're like, I wish I was more authentic or yeah. Like we're more present for my life. And so they're really saying like, humor does that, like opening yourself up to humor and, and levity can change your whole perspective on life and you will be more in the moment and you'll enjoy mm-hmm. things because you're looking for that enjoyment. Yeah. And it's, it's a habit.
2: Yeah. Brice, what do you think? Would you recommend to a friend? How many stars?
0: Oh, This one I liked a lot for sure. 10 out of five. I liked this one. <laughs> wow. <lot>. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. rave good. Yeah. <laughs> it's truthful. It's honest. Yeah. It has like good puns in it about how like ranch is just, dressing for frosting for vegetables oh yeah i thought that was funny
1: so good
0: i'm
2: a big ranch guy so salad i'm here for (laughs) but i use ranch for all things so i'm (laughs) i love it yeah, I would agree. This is one of my favorite ones we've read so far, Mikey, from the book club. Yeah. I thought it was like super useful. I thought they totally practiced what they preached and they give you like both clear examples and ways to implement it to your own life. And it's funny, it's well-researched and it's useful, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. I'm with you. 10 out of 5. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think it should be required reading on the on the presentation thinking bookshelf. Yeah. I th- I think like, even though it sounds like it's not directly related. I found so many connections to, to what we do and to presenters and business leaders and, and life, everything from like, it's more about, it's not just about what you're saying. It's about your delivery, you know, which is something we hear in other performance aspects of presenting and in sales, right? It's like what your body language says, what the tone says can sometimes be, you know, just as inviting as, as the actual words you're saying, which is crazy to think about, but there's Mm -hmm. so many different connections and things that are a little bit on the periphery, but immensely important to your development as a, as a presenter.
2: Yeah. And when we're talking about applications for press press thinking, I think like any memorable presentation I've seen has some element of humor, whether they open with a joke, whether they're just totally delivering themselves as like the average Joe person and like humbling themselves, making fun of themselves is like a clear indication of like comfort with humor and uh, creating levity. And like you've called out earlier, Mikey, that adaptability to, there's not a lot of people in the audience. And so they're like, oh, thanks. This whole, so good to have a full room to talk to or something (laughs) like that. You know, like you just got to like totally be flexible with it. And I think that flexibility and the levity piece is um, woven into presentation thinking is really part of
1: it for sure. And we want people to remember our presentations, right? And we've time and time again, we just hear how hard it is these days because people are inundated with information. But there's that quote in the book: If people are laughing, it means they're paying attention, and so hook them in, you're like you're like make it a part and, and open yourself up to it, right?
2: Hook line and sinker. You've got a pretty good quote down here, Mikey, by Buddy Hackett.
1: Yeah, I, I don't who's Buddy Hackett. I know I know the name. Do you know his his stuff?
2: No, it sounds like he's an time Buddy Hackett, yeah, ninety
1: nine percent is in the delivery. If you have the right voice and the right delivery, you're cocky enough and you pound down on the punchline, you can say anything and make people laugh maybe three times before they realize you're not even telling a joke.
2: <laughs> and Buddy Hackett, I just Googled, is an American actor, comedian, and singer, best remembered for his roles as Marcellus Washburn in the Music band. So we all know no Buddy Hackett. no idea
1: who that is. Yeah. yeah.
2: He looks like Dudley Dursley from Harry Potter a little bit. <laughs> put a face to the name. Yeah. We should give out what instead of stars, we should get out prezies, Prezi prez thinkers. What should we good. do? We got to think of it.
1: how many how slides?
2: Many, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, slide slide awards, slide stars. But yeah, five stars, ten out of five for all of us across mm-hmm. the board.
1: Yeah. So Gosh, good. I want to hang out. I want to take that class. We should all go to.
2: Yeah. Oh, let's all go to Stanford. Stanford. Why not? Real fast. Yeah. You think we will be in the press thinking budget? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. And real, before we close, Breezy, putting you on the spot here, what do you think Jennifer Naomi's walkout song is?
0: Oh, oh, this is a loaded question. Okay. I'm going to, well, let me see. She, I feel like she could probably be down with some hairstyles. <laughs> Yes, I I agree. Some, le- some levity. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, some levity. Something Boy band cool. on his own. Hairstyles. Yeah. Maybe shake it up a little bit. She seems like she's on trend. Like she knows all of the happenings that's been happening recently. Like, um, she's keeping up with Ellen and the Disney studios and
1: mm-hmm. yes,
0: yeah, events. So maybe she's up on her music taste too. So hairstyles is pretty big right now. So Yep, there's the logic behind that one. What do you think her walkout music is?
2: I was trying to think of something that wasn't just too on the nose, like Funny Girl or something like that mm-hmm. from the musical. But I think something that creates levity and is a funny song, but is extremely catchy and remember- memorable, is Lizzo's Juice. Meryl. juice you know could be like it's whatever you want it to be and i think the juice here is their humor and so i'm picking
1: juice by lizzo
2: mikey any thoughts
1: um i i loved i think they even said it in the day one of their stanford course they had blaring um some david bowie rebel rebel i think which that's a that's an awesome oh my god song to i forgot a, about that, that room going yeah so Thank you, Will, for playing that. And then, or maybe maybe just the straight up the SNL opener. Yeah,
2: you know what that's what I mean? so Why true. Not? Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's so catchy. I used to look forward to SNL like every Saturday. Yeah. So I think that's fun too. Oh, they're like any, like maybe just the laugh track at Second City, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Gasting. Yeah.
2: Well, thank you, Jennifer and Naomi. And yeah. we hope to have you on sometime.
1: Breezy, thank you so much Ooh. for joining us. Yeah. Are you beginning. kidding me? You're on a Are roll with all this me? book reading.
0: Yeah, wow. and I'm caught up on my podcast. And uh, <laughs> shout out to Nono and Yeah, we got get did it time. well. <laughs> yeah, I'm here for it.
2: Aww. This is awesome. All right, we'll let you know what our next book is, everybody.
1: Keep on pitching, y'all.
2: Keep on pitching. All right. Bye. Bye.